1: shall we, to the little book of Titus in the New Testament. We began this Lord's Day in the opening verses of Titus 1, learning how to get ready for what God has to say. And then we zeroed in on this great truth that Crete needs Christ. And may I just remind you that Christ is the same in every culture. In fact, the message of Christ crosses all cultural bounds. I I think sometimes we use culture as an excuse. May I say to you, church, listen to me, please. We have no excuse for not preaching Christ. If Christ is all sufficient, if the gospel is still the power of God unto salvation, if the Lord still answers prayer, the Holy Spirit is still at work, and Christ is still building his church, then it doesn't matter how bad the culture may be The message of Christ still saves sinners. And I hope that's something that will get deeply in your soul. You know, when we get to heaven and we stand at the judgment seat of Christ and we stand next to the martyrs of the ages, we're going to be pretty ashamed when we say, well, you know, our culture really gave us a hard time. We have no excuse because Crete needs Christ. We turn our attention now to chapter number 2 it begins this way, but, by the way, what's the last word of chapter 1? Everybody say it, would you? <laughs> That's our world. Welcome to America. Welcome to our nation and our generation. Reprobate. And on top of that, religious reprobates. But, speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Look, you can't choose for them, but you've got to choose for you. You can't fix everything and everybody. Have you lived long enough to figure that out? Now, if you try, you're going to be one more frustrated human being. Let me tell you what you can do. You can make sure you're right with God, and you can do your part in your place to make a difference for Jesus Christ. So he writes to Titus and says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience, the aged women likewise that they be in behavior as become of holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. They may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, To be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity. Sound speech that cannot be condemned that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. These are amazing verses. They're rich and wonderful. There's an expression that is repeated in this portion we've just read. In fact, it is not found first in chapter 2. It is found first in chapter 1. You do remember that chapter and verse divisions are not inspired, right? Now, I'm grateful we have them, or we'd all still be looking for Titus chapter 2 right now. But they've come into existence in the last few hundred years, and they're an aid to study and finding your place in Scripture. And I can still hear old Dr. Frank Sells saying, be location conscious, and know the address of the text and all of that, and that's very good. But I would remind you that it is a progressive revelation, line upon line, precept upon precept, which means the Word of God is God's unfolding revelation, And it begins and it continues. So what precedes it and what follows it is connected to the passage that we're studying. With that in mind, go back to chapter 1 just a moment. Let me show you something really interesting. Look at verse number 9. When I stop, I want you to say the next word nice and loud. So get ready, all right? You got it? Titus chapter 1, verse number 9. Ready? Here we go. Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by... Sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Would you take a pen out? Everybody get a pen in hand. And I want you to mark in Titus chapter 1, verse number 9 sound doctrine. Then come to verse 13 of chapter 1. This witness is true. Wherefore rebuke them sharply that they may be, what's the next word, church? sound in the faith. So in verse 9, sound doctrine. In verse 13, sound in the faith. Now come back to chapter 2, verse 1. But speak thou the things which become what? Sound doctrine. Verse 2, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate. What's it say? Sound in faith. Look at verse number 8. What's the first word of verse 8? Sound, sound speech that cannot be condemned. How many of you get the idea maybe God's trying to tell us something? I don't know what it was like at your house, at our house growing up. If my mama said something once, we were supposed to listen. If she said something twice, we were really supposed to listen. And if she had to say something three times, it was too late to listen. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? Look, when God repeats himself, it is never because he forgot he said it the first time. No, no, when God repeats himself, it is always because there's something there he doesn't want us to forget that he said. So mark it in your Bible. Chapter 1, sound doctrine, sound in faith. Chapter 2, sound doctrine, sound in faith. And one more time for good measure, a fifth time, sound speech. Now, the word sound is a fascinating word. I hate to tell you this, but we're going to the doctor's office tonight. How many of you like to go to the doctor's office? Yeah, God bless both of you. That's good. Are there any doctors among us? I'm just curious. Any medical doctors here? Any medical doctors? Is there? Somebody's pointing. Yes, well, I was going to pick on them, but I'll leave it alone. All right? I don't really like to go to the doctor. There are certain doctors I like better than others. I do like Christian doctors, so God bless you, my brother. I remember years ago going to the eye doctor. I hate going to the eye doctor. I really do. You know, Pastor, they get right in your face. You know what I'm talking about. They get right up to you. I mean, they're breathing on you. I don't like that. It's It's in my zone, you know? And uh, I was having my annual eye exam, you know, old people wear glasses. And so I was getting my exam, and, and uh, the guy got there, and he's, you know, making you look at the little red house. How many of you have ever looked at the little red house? Yes. And they give that silly test, better one or two, better one or two. And I always have to ask him to review because I can't remember one by the time they get to two. And so he's giving the little test, and then I heard him. He was quiet for a moment, and I heard him say, Hmm, that's never a good sign. Or sound at the doctor's office and so i was patient for a moment and he changed something and then i heard him say hmm and i couldn't take it anymore and i said something wrong doc and he said well he said a little something here and he kept checking and then he sat back in his chair and he said well let me give you the good news he said the good news is you'll probably never be completely blind and i said well thank you for that word of encouragement i appreciate it. that's the good news and I said, what's the bad news? He said, well, the bad news is that you have a degenerative condition that your eyesight's going to get worse and worse through the years. And he said, it's going to really, really get bad. I was really a young man at the time. I left his office that day. Pastor, I was depressed. I got in the car, and I thought, wonder how much longer I'll drive. And went home, picked up a book, and thought, wonder how much longer I'll read. And I mean, I went for a year like that, a full year with that in my mind. And went back to the doctor the next year to get my annual exam, and he did his exam, and he said, hey, everything looks great. And I said, good. What about that condition you told me about last year? He said, I've been looking at that. He said, I think I was wrong last year. You don't have that. You're good. Your eyes are fine. And I found me another eye doctor is what I did. I thought that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. It matters what doctor you go to. And even the best doctors are just men at best. They can be wrong. Uh, look, there was a doctor that ministered to the apostle Paul, and Paul ministered to him, and they ministered together. He's referred to in Scripture as the beloved physician. His name is Luke. Everybody knows Luke? Is that right? He wrote almost 25% of your New Testament with the gospel record in the book of Acts. Did you know that some Bible teachers believe that it's possible that Luke and Titus were brothers? That's fascinating to me. And there's certain reasons for that in Scripture, and it's not my purpose to get into it tonight because it really doesn't matter. Either way, they were brothers. They were brothers in Jesus Christ. That's what they were. But I do find it interesting that Titus uses a number of medical terms in this, in this or Paul uses a number of medical terms right in Titus in this little epistle that bears Titus' name. I gave you one of them this morning. Look back at verse number 5. He said that he wanted him to set in order the things that are wanting. That's like setting a broken bone. Taking something that's out of joint and setting it so that it gets healed and, and it gets corrected back in line like it ought to be. Do you know that word iniquity in the Bible? How many of you know the word iniquity? Do you know what it literally means? It means crooked. Everybody look at your neighbor just a second. You're not allowed to look at me. Everybody turn and look at the person you sat next to tonight. And if you sat next to the wrong person, that's your fault, not mine. Look at him just a second, all right? You're looking at a certified crook. That's what you're looking at right now. And somebody says, that's not very nice, preacher. Well, you're listening to one tonight, too. The dirty secret is all of us are sinners, which means all of us have iniquity, which means all of us are crooked. There's only one who's straight down the line every time. You know who that is? That is our holy, righteous God. And we must measure by his standards. Like years ago, they'd take a drunk out of the car, and they don't do this now, I don't think. But what would they do? They'd make him walk the what? Walk the line. And the idea was if he could walk a straight line, he's all right. Everything's good. But if the old boy got out of the car and started staggering around like this and he's walking in a crooked line, we know something's off here. You take the plumb line of Scripture, the righteous record, the very character and nature of Almighty God, and you measure yourself by that. Look, please, not by each other, not by what you used to be, not by what you hope to be, not by what the world says is all right, not by societal norms and morays that change every other day. You measure by the unchanging truth of the Word of God, and God, the great physician, says... Here's where you're crooked and out of joint. Now let's get this thing set and right back in place. And so when we come to the great physician's office, he does this surgery on us. Now, what does that have to do with sound? I'm glad you asked. Did you know that the word sound here literally means healthy? Isn't that interesting? It's the same word for, for something being whole. Nothing is missing in it. Let me just show you something. Hold your place right here, okay? Coming right back. Go back just a few pages in your Bible, would you please? To the book of 1 Timothy, another one of the, the pastoral epistles. We're comparing Scripture with Scripture. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. Did you ever notice this verse? 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 3 says, If any man teach otherwise and consent not... To, would you mark this in your Bible, wholesome words. It's the same principle as soundness. Wholesome words. Even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. And to the doctrine, this is fascinating, which is according to, sound familiar? Godliness. Go back to Titus chapter 1, verse number 1. The truth which is after, what? Godliness. So look, please, God says, I'm trying to make you, you ready for this? Less like other men and more like the God-man. I'm trying to get you from where you are to where you need to be. From being out of joint to finding your place. From being crooked to being right in line with what God desires and always designed for you to be. And for the record, only God can do that in our lives. I'm speaking tonight on this subject, how to have a healthy church. Is this a healthy church? That's a subjective question, of course. I'm in and out of churches every week. And you know, I I don't go into churches looking for things But I do observe things. And I observe sometimes in churches things that are unhealthy. And I observe sometimes in churches things that are very healthy. I've observed certain healthy things in your church. I alluded to one of these earlier this morning, but this is a singing church. I love it. I like it when people want to sing to the Lord. You know what I've discovered? Awakened people want to sing. And when you go into a place and nobody wants to open their mouth and nobody wants to sing to the Lord, that is always a very bad sign. I've observed that when you come into a church and people just plop down on a seat and they're there to be a spectator and they're going to watch the guy on the platform do his thing and they're not participating and they're not interacting and they're not engaged, that's a very unhealthy thing. But... When you find a church like this church where people are loving one another and fellowshipping and encouraging and, and uh, trying to be a blessing, that's a very healthy thing. I watched this morning. We dismissed a service, and frankly, the service went a little longer this morning. May I apologize? I've already talked to the preacher tonight and told him to get on with it, not hold you so long, all right? So we, we were here a while this morning, and we dismissed, and the most amazing thing happened. You know what happened? Nobody left. Now, people did leave eventually, but I mean, I'm standing back there 15, 20 minutes later and looking around, place still full of people and folks talking and encouraging one another. Man, I'm giving an outsider's perspective. That's a very healthy sign in a church. When people are not anxious, let me get out of here, and they really just want to be with God's people, that's a sign of a healthy church. But the truth is, only God really knows the health of the soul. Only God. Would you like to know the secret of having a healthy church? Let every Christian in the church be healthy. See, churches as a whole are only sound, strong, healthy, able to move forward, able to stand in adversity. They're only sound when the members that make up that church are themselves sound in the faith. So maybe, maybe tonight I shouldn't ask you if your church is healthy. Maybe I should ask you tonight if your soul is healthy. Is your soul healthy, sir? How about it, ma'am? Hey, young person, is your soul really healthy? Because only God really knows that. Let me show you another verse. We're coming back, Titus, I promise. Go to the end of the New Testament with me for just a minute. Go to the little book of 3 John. It's a book we don't go to very often, but there's a fascinating expression in 3 John when John is writing to a man named Gaius that he he loved deeply, a, a fellow brother in Christ, And look what he prays for him in 3 John verse 2. I've always thought this was interesting. He said, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. Stop and look at me just a minute. How many of you think it would be nice if all of us prospered and were in health? Yes? Now, so we're dealing with the material and the physical. So we're dealing with money in the bank and your needs met and your body is healthy. And all God's people said amen to that. Yes, Lord. But did you ever notice the last part of his prayer? Even as, oh, this is beautiful, thy soul prospereth. Let me ask you a question. What if God made your bank account equivalent to the riches of your soul right now? What if, would you want anybody to pray this for you? What if we prayed tonight that the health of your body was exactly commensurate to the healthiness of your soul? Somebody said, don't pray that for me because I want better health than that. Isn't it funny? We give more attention to money than we do our spirit and more attention to our physical health than we do the health of our soul. This is deeply convicting to me. I don't know anything about Gaius. I don't know whether he was a healthy man or a sick man. I don't know whether he was a rich man or a poor man. But I know one thing about him. His soul was healthy and his soul prospered. And brother, sister, that's what I want for my life. How about you? So how does it happen? Let's go back to the book of Titus and walk through these verses again. And let me give you some truths to write down tonight. You know, you can get so disturbed and distracted by the sin sickness around you, you miss the cancer of your own heart. I think one of the things that has happened to us in our age, and we are living in reprobate times. We are living in an age of anarchy. And we are living in days that are deeply disturbing. But one of the temptations at times like that is you can get so fixated on their sin, you miss your sin. Anybody else found that it's much easier to spot somebody else's sin than your own? Look, brother, I can spot your sin at 100 yards and describe it to you. But I'm blinded so often to the sin of my own soul, you see. And by the way, the, the, the cancer of sin that is in every one of us is so deceptive and so destructive because very often it crawls beneath the surface until you, you don't even realize that it's there and it's bringing death and destruction. I, I'm saying to you tonight, we've got to let God be so thorough with us that He makes our souls healthy again. All right, here's the first principle. Notice, please, the people in a healthy church. This is interesting to me. Look at chapter 2, and in verse number 2, I'd like you to mark the aged men. (laughs) The aged men. This has got potential, doesn't it? What does that mean? When Paul referred to himself as the aged Paul, we believe he was about 60 years of age. So I, I don't know. I'm 47. Almost 47, your pastor and I are about the same age. And so we were talking about age today. It really is a relative thing, you know. My kids think I'm old and the old people think I'm a young whippersnapper. It's, it's a strange place to be, caught between generations, you know. But the fact remains that there are stages in life. And there is such a thing as age. And that's not a bad thing, that's a glorious thing. God's let you live to this moment and God's done some things in you. And then come down to verse number 3 and mark the aged women. So you've got the aged men and you've got the aged women. Then come down to verse 4 and mark the young women. Hmm. And then come to verse number 6 and mark young men. How many of you think everybody gets in on this? Oh, I love this. See, in chapter 1, we talked about the pastor. And, you know, it's funny to me, but in churches, people want to talk about the pastor. But please don't miss this. It may begin with leadership, but it doesn't stop there, friends. No, no. You need a faithful bishop in this church, and thank God you've got one, and you should pray for him and encourage him. But I want you to know that the health of a church is not dependent on the health of the pastor. It is dependent on the health of the people. People say, we, we want to see our church move forward. Maybe the pastor will preach better sermons. Brother, the church doesn't move forward on better sermons. It moves forward on better Christians. How many of you think your pastor ought to be a spirit-filled man? Would you raise your hand? Now, I wouldn't want to go to a church where I didn't believe the pastor was a man filled with the Holy Spirit of God. But I want to tell you tonight from the Word of God that the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the fruitful Christian life is not reserved for the man who stands behind the pulpit every Lord's Day. It's for the aged men and the aged women and the young women and the young men. In other words, all of God's children have an opportunity and a responsibility and an accountability to Almighty God to keep their soul healthy before the Lord. So where do you fit in this? Look at it with me just a moment. Look at the aged men. He says, he said they're to be sober and grave and temperate. In other words, there's a certain seriousness about their life. It doesn't mean that they're, they're sour. It doesn't mean they're bitter. It means they've lived long enough Excuse me to get the snot knocked out of them, to get the wind knocked out of them enough, to realize this is not a flippant thing, this is not a game, and they're serious about what really matters. Lord, give us some men like that. I'm in churches, you've got a lot of men here, and I'm glad, but I'm in a lot of churches where there's a dearth of mature Christian men. Dear Lord, give us an army of men who are serious about the things of God, who, who are less concerned about how much money's in the bank, how big the house is, how new the car is, how long the vacation is, how well the retirement's going, and more about what they're laying up in glory and what they're going to leave behind to their children about the things of God. Give us some aged men like that. And for the record, we're not just talking about age, we're talking about stage of maturity. See, there's an elder in a church, but then there are elder examples among the congregation, meaning those that have been down the path a little bit. Let me speak for the young people just a minute. I'm going to tell you what young couples need. They need to see some older couples who are still faithful to God and faithful to each other who are walking in the paths of righteousness that they can pattern their lives after. I'm looking at children and teenagers and young single adults and college-age young people. You know what they need? They need to see some aged believers who are not speaking in unbelief about how bad it is. They're still speaking in faith that God's still on the throne and God is able. The aged men. Look at it again. He says they're sound in faith and charity and patience. Look at this beautiful trio. There's faith and there's love and there's patience of hope. Sound familiar? Faith, hope, and charity. These three, these three just keep popping up all the time. And I, I thought about this today. Look, the aged believers, the aged men, they may be getting older, but they haven't stopped growing in the Lord. How many of you have been saved a little while? Would you raise your hand? Don't you die before you die. Are you breathing? Take a breath. Isn't that nice? For fun, let's take another one. Ready? That's God's gift to you. And if you're still here, it means you still ought to be growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Are you growing in your faith? Are you growing in the love of God? Are you growing in patience? Or have you just settled in, shifted into neutral, and decided you're going to coast into glory? Brother, I don't want to coast into glory. I want to cross the threshold of heaven with a pedal to the metal being everything God saved me to become. The aged men. Men must lead the way. Dear dear Lord, give us some men to lead the way in spiritual things. Then look at the aged women. The aged women likewise. That means all the things about the aged men should be true about them too. And then in addition to that, their to be in behaviors become the holiness. Oh, Lord, give us some holy women. Whatever happened to holiness anyhow? No, seriously, like back in Grandma's day, they talked about it. Whatever happened to holiness? My Grandma Polly lived as a widow woman for probably 30 years after Grandpa Polly died. Grandpa was an old country preacher. And she lived by herself, but she walked with God, and the beauty of the Lord was on her, and she left this world worshiping and praising God. You know what? We need some women like that, that the beauty of God is on. I'm talking about beauty the world can't give you, and the world can't take it away. It doesn't, it doesn't fade with age. It grows in the presence of Almighty God. Dear Lord, give us some holy women in our churches again. The Bible says, look at it, not false accusers. Guard your tongue and what you say. Be careful what you say about others, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Do you see how he deals with sins of the spirit, that's false accusers, and sins of the flesh, that's wine? He says you're guarding yourself on every hand. And I love this. Why are you doing it? Look at the last part of verse number 3 and the first part of verse number 4, so you can teach others. Look, everything reproduces after its own kind. Would you all like to see a bunch of young women in this church who are holy women? How many of you would like to see a bunch of young women in this church holy women? All right. Then let the aged women in this church be holy women, and let them teach the young women to be holy women. That's the way it works. It's a spiritual chain reaction. It's a relay race. We pass the baton. Then look at the young women in verse number 4. They're sober. Serious as well. They love their husbands. They love their children. They're discreet. They're chaste. That means pure. They keep the home. They work at home. They're they're good and obedient to their own husbands. That the word of God be not blasphemed. Look, I'm not trying to tell you how to run your home tonight. I'm not getting in your business. I'm saying to you, you bring your life to the x-ray machine of the word of God and you let the Holy Ghost show you if there's anything there that's not healthy and let God deal with that. And then what are the young men? Young men likewise, that word again means includes all the above things, and then he adds this, they're to be sober-minded. Did you know you don't have to help young people be light, flippant, laugh, and have a good time? They figure that one out on their own. You know what you got to do with young people? you got to look them in the face and talk to them about what really matters in light of eternity. And we need some young men who say, that's the kind of man I want to be. I want to be a godly man. I, I want to have the right marriage someday. I want to raise the right kind of children someday. I want to have a healthy soul and a healthy family. I want to be a part of a healthy church. Look, would you like this church to be healthy 20 years from now? Would you like that? Would you like your kids and your grandkids to have the kind of church where somebody could stand up and preach the Word of God and minister to their spiritual needs? Then you guard it with your life, and you give yourself to it, and you begin in your own heart and home to have a healthy soul before God. So we have the people in a healthy church. And Then notice the progress in a healthy church. There's a growth. Healthy things grow. Healthy things reproduce. And we're not just talking about numerical growth. We're talking about spiritual growth. It grows from the inside out. Mark these, if you haven't already, these sound things. Look back at chapter 1, verse 9. Here's where it all starts. With sound what? What's the first one? Chapter 1, verse 9. Sound what? Sound doctrine. Number one. Here's, Here's the progress of a healthy church. Number one. It begins with sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. Doctrine is our beliefs and teachings. It means we believe the Word of God, and we teach the Word of God. Now, hold on to your seat. It is not enough for the pastor to know doctrine and teach doctrine. It is for every one of God's children to know what they believe and why they believe what they believe, and that only happens when you get in the Word and the Word gets in you. There's a reason when I come to a church that I don't just preach sermons from a text, but I say to people, take this text and read it. Read this before tomorrow night. That's not some exercise in futility. I'm not trying to to give you busy work and something to do. I'm trying to prime the pump a little bit and get you in the Word and let you realize that, look, God may speak to you through the preaching, but God wants to speak to you every day. If you're going to have a healthy soul, you better get in the Word of God. There's something purifying about the work of holy scripture in every one of us by the way he repeats it look at chapter 2 verse 1 the things which become sound doctrine so we begin with healthy teachings to study the truth and to know the word of God one mark of real revival is that people fall in love with their bible all over again when was the last time you read through scripture when was the last time you read through any portion of scripture when was the last time you did more than read when was the last time you meditated in the Word? When was the last time you lived in a passage and it lived in you? When, when was the last time you got excited about God showing you something from the pages of Holy Scripture? Oh, the times in my life that I know spiritually I have been unhealthy have been seasons where I have neglected my private devotions and personal walk with God in His Word. And the seasons where I have known the strength and health and help of the Holy Spirit have been seasons when I was giving attention to the Word of God. If you want to get your life back where it needs to be and set in order the things that are wanting and have a soundness of spirit, then, my brother, begin with sound doctrine. Was a second expression. It's found in verse 13, and this is sound in the faith. If doctrine is healthy teaching, then sound in faith is healthy living. In other words, it means not just that you hold to something. The faith is not to be held. The faith is to be exercised. It's to be used. In fact, if you come down to verse number 2 of chapter 2, he repeats it. And this time, instead of saying sound in the faith, meaning our body of doctrine, he simply says sound in faith, active believing. Not just that you have beliefs, but you are believing. Do you understand the difference in the two? I mean, a lot of people who say they've trusted Jesus as their Savior. And if you say, do you believe the Bible? Oh, you better believe I believe the Bible. Good. What are you trusting God for right now? Because faith is never passive. Faith must be active. The Bible doesn't say the just go to heaven by faith. The Bible says the just shall what? Live by his faith. So I'd like to ask you, what's God making you trust him for right now? You know, early on in my Christian experience, I had this idea that eventually I'd get over all the humps. Did you ever have that idea? Like I'd make all the big decisions, get all the direction for the future and work out all the kinks and believe God for all that. And then at some point I was going to get on this high elevated plateau of Christian experience, you know, super Christian has now arrived and I wasn't going to have anything to believe God for. I'm going to tell you what I've discovered after all these years. You will never live a day that you don't have to believe God for something. Christian life is a faith life from start to finish, and I'm going to tell you why. Because faith is the means by which God is constantly reminding us that we are not enough, but he is more than enough. Faith is when you learn to lean on Jesus. Are you sound? I'm going to tell you a healthy church. A healthy church is a church believing God for something. I was looking at your facilities here today. This is beautiful. It's a beautiful setting. can't beat the mountains all around you, can you? Just Beautiful. I don't know when this building was constructed. It was well done. It's very nice. But I'm just imagining, I probably should have asked you, but I'm just imagining that back yonder somewhere, when all of this was built, some group of people really had to believe God for something and raise some money and stretch themselves a little bit. Isn't that right? And say, we're going to take that mountain and we're going to cross the next ridge and we're going to do what we can for the Lord. And do you understand, we are living in the benefit and the blessing now and the bounty because of their belief. But watch this. If this church ever gets to the place where it lives on a past generation's faith and doesn't believe God for something now, I want you to know that our kids and our grandkids will be spiritually poor because of it because they have not seen an evidence of faith in God in our lives. We must be exercising the faith muscle so it doesn't just atrophy and die on us. So there is sound doctrine, there is sound faith, And then, come down, would you please, to the last one. In verse number 8 of chapter 2, there is sound speech. We move from healthy teaching to healthy living to healthy speaking. I love the divine order and progression of truth because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You can't just talk the right way, unless you believe in the right way and live in the right way. And this is glorious. When you get the word in you and you're living in faith and obedience, guess what's going to come out of your mouth? Life is going to come out of your mouth. Health is going to come out of your mouth. You know why men in a home get abusive and tear their wife down and, and destroy their children's spirit and all that kind of thing? I'm going to tell you why. They don't have sound speech because something's not healthy in their soul. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you why members get mad at each other, start gossiping, and criticizing, talking about each other, saying things they shouldn't say, and suddenly the whole church is in an uproar because somebody, somebody didn't have sound speech because they didn't have a healthy soul. You get your soul healthy, and what comes out of your mouth won't be death, it will be life. It won't tear down, it will build up, it will glorify God and be to the good of other people. This is the progress of a healthy church. And then one more. Let me show you the purpose of a healthy church. Somebody said, the purpose? Well, isn't the purpose to be healthy? No. No, see, God gave you a body to serve Him. God gave you this measure of health physically to use and to be used so God doesn't make churches healthy and blessed and strong and prosperous so they can sit on their blessed assurance and talk about how wonderful they have it. Mm -mm. Look, please, at the end of the passage. Look at verse 7. In all things, we'll come back to that expression tomorrow night, showing thyself a pattern of good works In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. There's a negative and a positive. The negative is we're going to stop the mouths of the critics. They're not going to have any reason to to tear down the Christ in us because we're living the Christian life actively. And on the positive side, we're not only stopping that, we're showing what it really means to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. We're showing true religion, pure religion, a life transformed by the glorious grace of Jesus Christ. I think sometimes we have almost made an idol, pardon me, an idol, a wrong goal out of us being everything we ought to be and our church being everything it ought to be. And it's not for the glory of God and it's not for the salvation of souls. It's for people to say, now that's a great church and those are great people. That's a great Christian. Friend, I'm just going to tell you, what God does in you, he does in you so he can work through you. It's not just about us. It's about the world seeing Christ in us. God blesses a church so that through that church he can bless a community and draw sinners to himself. And here's what I've discovered. Just because something's alive doesn't mean it's healthy. How many living people are here tonight? Would you raise your hand? If your neighbor didn't raise their hand, you might check on them, all right? And just because you're alive doesn't presuppose you're healthy. How many saved people are here tonight? Would you raise your hand? Been born again? Praise God. Got eternal life living in you. Hallelujah. But just because you're alive doesn't mean you're healthy. A few years ago, I went to the doctor. Normal physical checkup. The doctor's a young man, a Christian man, a friend of mine, and he said to me, He said, Scott, he said, You've got a little place right here on your face. He said, I think that's skin cancer. He said, I want to take it off and, and test it. He said, I can do that right here in the office. And it was the first time in my life that that word had ever been said in a sentence with my name. Gives you a pause. He cut it off, was in the back for a little while, came back out, and he said, I'm sorry. He said, but he said, I, I think this is deeper than I thought it was. And he said, I can't exactly tell. He said, I'm going to have to send you to a specialist. We set the appointment, and went to the place. And, of course, if you've ever been in one of those offices where they deal with skin cancer, you know, you've got all, people dealing with all kinds of things, and everybody's wondering, you know, what's what's going to happen. I went back, and... <laughs> just so happened on that day that my surgeon was it was a teaching doctor he was he had a young protege that he was instructing if you don't know what that means it means the whole time he's doing surgery he's going to talk to him I wasn't put to sleep and so here I am uh, awake but my face is numb half my face is numb I was supposed to preach that night I still remember saying to the man you think I can talk tonight he said I think you can I said, well, that's nice that's good and, so I'm half numb and I'm lying there on the table and, and he makes his incision and he begins his work. And I still remember, I, I, had, I had deja vu of being in that eye doctor's office again. I still remember this surgeon said, hmm, and I said, what? And he said, this is deeper than I thought it was. He said, no problem, no problem, I can take care of it. And he's talking all the time, he's talking. matter of fact, the whole time he's talking, I'm thinking, man, would you stop yapping and just get this over with? And he cut it out, and they did the test on it, and he came back, and he said, this is not malignant, for which we thank God and praise the Lord. But I've thought many times, I have a little scar on my face. I get a lot of sun, it really, really pops up. And every time I see it, it reminds me. And I wonder how many times I've let some little thing grow in my life that shouldn't be there. And the Lord says, we need to deal with that. And I said, no, just, just cut the surface off. Just don't worry about the deep stuff, just... Just cut the surface off. As long as nobody can see it, it would be all right. And the great physician takes his scalpel and says, no, 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 no. No, we're going to have to go a little deeper. This is deeper than you think it is. And the Lord begins to cut out of my life the things that shouldn't be there and graft into my life the things that should be there. You know what we're doing this week? Somebody said, we're having a revival meeting. No, we're not having a revival meeting. No, this is surgery week. That's what this is. This is everybody go to the great physician's office and sit down and and get the diagnosis. And and don't despair. Don't despair because he has the cure. Aren't you glad he has the cure? He doesn't just tell you where you're wrong. He shows you how to get right and how to stay right. And the Lord says, I want you to be a healthy soul. And I want your church to be a healthy church. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me tonight? What a joy it's been today to study the Word of God with you. Oh, I love the Word of God. Do you love the Word of God? It speaks. He speaks. Bless His name.
0: If this Bible message has been used of God in your life, or we can pray for you in some definite way, please contact us at enjoyingthejourney.org. We hope you will share the message with others who may also be encouraged by it. For additional full-length Bible messages, please visit Dr. Scott Pauley's YouTube channel. Tomorrow is the Lord's Day, and we want to encourage you to be faithful to attend a Bible-preaching church in your area this Sunday. Thank you for listening to The Weekend Pulpit, and don't miss Enjoying the Journey daily devotional podcast each Monday through Friday.